From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome back to the Anxiety Project Podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Today's episode is number 96. Before I get into the episode, I just want to mention, if you go to unplugxiety.com and under the podcast, you can send me topics that you want me to cover. If I haven't covered something yet, or if you have a question about the challenges that you're currently going through, make sure you send me your questions so I can bring it up in the podcast. And well, only if you want me to talk about it, right? So if you want me to talk about this question or bring it up in a Q&A episode, just send me a message there and I'll get it and I'll make note of it. And who knows, the next Q&A could be your question. So make sure you send me those. Now, I've been covering the recovery steps for the last three episodes, which which have been getting a lot of great uh, reviews. Have been You've been connecting with them, which has meant a lot to me. And I've only, I, I thought about it, you know, should I just co- cover a couple steps, a few steps, and then continue on with the other podcast? But it seems like, You guys are really connecting with the episode, so I'm going to continue on doing the steps and um, because they provide a lot of value to you, so I'm going to keep on doing them. We've covered the first step, which is take responsibility, uh, admitting to yourself that everything in your life has gotten beyond you, that it's chaos, that you need to change, a really important step. Step number two is getting knowledgeable, understand why you're feeling this way. How could things have slipped from under you? How does anxiety work? What can you do? And so that in that step, it's about adopting a role model. Who are you looking up to? Who's gone through the same thing as you and has gotten better? Step number three, determine your goals and your obstacles, setting an aim, really important. You have to know where you're going. And even though you do know where you're going, it's going to be a zigzag pattern getting there. There's going to be setbacks, but at least you're not in the same boat you were in yesterday. So a really uh, powerful episode that was. This episode is stepped on step number four, and it's about creating new habits. Now, throughout these recovery steps, I've been referencing Russell Brand's book. And the reason being is because I love his book. I love how he approached the 12 steps of addiction recovery with such humility. And he speaks in such a relatable way. And he still has a lot to learn and he admits that in his book and he really relates and resonates well with me especially reading it and so that's why I'm covering his steps alongside my steps and 
even though his steps is about addictions specifically, addictions is a subcategory of anxiety because many of my addictions were leading me down a bad path that was causing the chaos I was in and causing a lot of the anxiety that I was facing. So I love his book. I do recommend it. And so the step in my anxiety recovery program, which you can download on my website, is creating new habits. And I, I, I list these steps in the program. But this is where Russell's steps and mine separate a bit because he's talking more specifically with addictions. I'm talking a lot more with the anxiety recovery, but more in a generalized term. So this is where we kind of separate a bit. His fourth step is write down all the things that are screwing you up or have ever screwed you up and don't lie or leave anything out. Now, I have this step of Russell's is in my recovery program because when you, and, and for those who've already purchased the program, you'll see in the workbook that there's a section where you list all the habits that you know is causing you to be more anxious or causing you to be in this chaotic state. So that's in the program, and I do recommend the program to you. If you're currently suffering from anxiety, if you're currently in chaos, the program adds order to the disorder that is your anxiety. So the program is a great structure. People with anxiety need a structure. They need order because when I was suffering, I was in chaos. I had no order whatsoever, and that's what I needed. I need I needed order, and I needed uh, a structured step-by-step approach. Now, when we look at the habits we unconsciously did in the past that has driven us to such a chaotic state, it is important to understand how the unconscious operates so that we can work with the unconscious mind to overcome anxiety. Now, let's understand the unconscious. The unconscious stores memories. So those highly emotional memories from your past that pop up randomly throughout your day and you you get sucked into that memory, that's coming from your unconscious mind. The unconscious mind makes associations. So your fear response is unconscious. So when you have that panic attack in that public place, your unconscious associates the environmental elements as something life-threatening. So your unconscious makes those associations. So you might feel like when you go into an environment and feel panic just suddenly come about, it's coming from your unconscious mind. That fear response, that fear response is unconscious. Your unconscious mind stores highly emotional memories and presents them for healing. So we kind of touched on that just briefly. Your unconscious mind runs the body, your heart beating, your digestion, that's all unconscious. 
The unconscious is where habits are formed. And this is important for this episode because we're talking about habits today. So habits are formed in the unconscious and the unconscious mind needs repetition for a habit to become ingrained, to become habitual. And lastly, the unconscious, well, not lastly, but uh, one of the main points I want to talk about with the unconscious is that it runs you automatically. So that's important for the, today's episode. How can we act in a different way where we can change our identity and and work with our unconscious mind because it runs us automatically. Our habits are formed because the more we do something, the more unconscious it becomes. Now, this is a really important uh, fact where the unconscious makes up 90 to 95% of who we are. It makes up 90 to 95% of us human beings. So in order for a habit to become ingrained, discipline must be involved. At the beginning of this discipline, you are going to experience some of that resistance, some cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is feeling, thinking, and behaving in a manner you're not accustomed to. So you've been practicing anxiety for a long time. It's become habitual in your unconscious mind. And now it's time to start to act in a different way. You're going to feel that resistance. You can look at it like your unconscious is saying, this isn't the regular way of being. Let's go back to being automatic. And that's why you feel that resistance because your unconscious wants to go back to its regular way of being. It wants to run you unconsciously. And so the more you continue down the new path of recovery, the more you stimulate new neuronal pathways within your brain. Now, I like the Kimball, uh, sorry, Kimball. I like the cable symbol from Robin Sharma's book, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. I covered that book a few podcasts back, The Seven Virtues of Enlightened Living. Now, I love this symbol because it's the symbol for discipline because the cable consists of many tiny wires making up the whole of the cable. Now, the strength of your mind comes from the many disciplinary acts you do every single day. So more and more of those tiny wires strengthen the new neuronal pathway you're pretty much disciplining, right? That's the the whole uh, aspect of disciplining is strengthening uh, little little bits at a time, and then all of a sudden, a month, two months, three months from now, that cable is strong, and that old way, the, those old habits they used to do, they've lessened their strength, and they've dissipated, which is really, really cool. So set small enough goals. That's the key, right? Set small goals. 
meditate for a week. Set a goal. I'm going to meditate every day for this week. Reduce TV time by 50% this week. Or it could be exercise for 15 minutes a day or journal for five minutes a day. But set small goals. Now, I told the client, because the client asked me, you know, about where I am at today and if I currently struggle with anxiety. And I said, no, I don't have anxiety. And if, you know, if I have a little bit of stress, I do know how to handle it. But I told the client, you know, the state I'm in and the goals I've accomplished. And that person felt envious. How am I going to get to where you are? And they, they couldn't help but feel like that, 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 that envy. And, and they felt like that goal was just too far out of their reach. But then I, I said to them, that's because you're only seeing the outer layer of that onion that I've built up over the years. I've built my character up for a long time. You're seeing the outer results of that character. And I'm still building on it, by the way. And so that's too long of a look ahead for that person. That's too long of a look into the future. That, that bar is so high. So that person's like, how am I going to get to that bar? But set the bar lower. Become more than you were yesterday. That's important to understand. Set daily and weekly goals. That's it. It's like building muscles. You don't just go to the gym for the one day. You go for the months to get some results. That is the key. It's built over a long period of time. So set goals because when you complete those small goals, you get that dopamine blast. You feel good about yourself. You reached a, go a goal you've set for yourself. This motivates you to keep going so that you can get another kick of that dopamine. This is where happiness comes from. It's found in the progress. When you start to progress further and further and you become better than you were yesterday, you're going to feel happier and proud of yourself. When someone climbs Mount Everest, they give it everything they got. They risk their life. They push through the pain, the discomfort, and reach the top. And once they reach the top, their arms are up in the air. They're smiling. And they did it. In their mind, they accomplished something that was far beyond them. And they reached it. When you revisit a place you had a panic attack before, it's going to be a massive challenge. You are facing your own mortality. But when you leave and you've proven to yourself that you can, in fact, live through that particular experience, you feel proud and you strengthen your own self-respect. I had no self-respect for myself until I started to confront the, the situations that made me 
feel anxious, that was uncomfortable. And I started to prove to myself that I can handle these challenges, that I have more in me than I thought I did. So voluntary confrontation of what you fear is the path towards desensitization. Now, going back to habits, they help form our identity because what we act out attaches value to that act, right? So even though you're feeling that cognitive dissonance, even though you're feeling that resistance to do these new habits, remember that the act of doing these new habits is attaching value to that action and your unconscious is like, oh, this is what Brad wants in his life. I get it. This is what he wants because he's continuing to act out in this manner. So making yourself aware of your habits that keep you stuck in anxiety is a good start. It's actually a great start. So that's why in my program, there's a section in the workbook where it's it, where I, I, I talk about list your habits here. And I have a chart and you, you, you sit with yourself and you go over the things that you just know are keeping you stuck in that anxious identity. Now, I want to just briefly uh, quote Russell Brand's book here. He has this section in his uh, fourth step that I found to be really uh, inspiring. So he says here, where was I afraid? A very powerful question. This is usually the most revealing question and the data we gather from this line of inquiry, inquiry for me personally holds the key to freedom and change. Behind our damaged perceptions, there is usually a fear that pertains to a core belief. This core belief is a key line in the code of our personal misery. If we expose, address, and alter it, we can be free. So behind my resentment at my mom's illness is my fear that I will be left alone and that I can't take care of myself. This false belief is present in many of my most destructive behaviors. My guess is that it will be there in yours too. Really powerful. Now, there's another uh, section of the book that I just want to read briefly. He says, we take stock of all of the beliefs and resentments that populate our conscious experience of the world. If this is done thoroughly, we begin to see where our explicit beliefs intersect with our unconscious beliefs. An example, my my former belief that I need to sleep with a lot of women when unscrutinized could pose as culturally acceptable, cool, fun, aspirational, harmless. Once thoroughly inventoried, 
This behavior was exposed as desperate, pitiful, toxic, lonely. The behavior had been designed or adopted as a strategy to prevent pain. When you check Facebook or browse to consume or obsess about going out, what unconscious motivation lurks? Unqueried. Obviously, you don't know. We are all, we are, after all, dealing with the unconscious. Very powerful stuff. We are, in fact, dealing with the unconscious. It's about digging deeper, layer by layer, in that onion. Now, shift your behaviors and you shift your identity. The more you act out the new you, whatever you envision that to be, the more your unconscious goes, oh, this is what you want. I get it. I get it. So the more you do that thing, the more the cable strengthens, the more your character strengthens, the more your beliefs strengthen, but you have to do it over a long period of time. You can't just expect it to happen in a month, right? It does take a month for a habit to become ingrained, but there are many, many habits that need to be ingrained. So it's a long process, but that's the thing. Set the bars low so that once you reach that goal for the day, for the week, you'll be like, ah, I did it. Let's keep going because you want that feeling of, yes, I can do this. Let's keep going and get that next dopamine high. So we must break the cycle bit by bit by replacing old destructive habits with new positive habits that support this new identity, this new aim that you've set for yourself. You're going to feel that resistance. You're going to feel that cognitive dissonance, but it's pushing through that pain. You're going to find happiness because looking back at my own recovery, I'm like, I'm so proud of myself for what I've done and, and taking on that responsibility because once I took on that responsibility, so much meaning came into my life. My life got better. Replacing old destructive habits with new positive habits, things in my life, they just got better. I started to manifest the positive elements of life. Once you just go down this new path, that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And remember, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.